We're going to head to Ontario now and an area just outside of Toronto uh, that became the world's largest green belt back in 2005. One, uh, it was the Niagara Escarpment, the Oak Ridges Moraine, and nearly 1 million acres of prime farmland protected against development. And uh, as a quick aside, one of the first stories I ever did for Global National, I got sent to Toronto back in 2005 very briefly um, and ended up driving around and this driving around that area, trying to find what exactly the green belt would look like on TV. And it was tough because it's massive. It's massive, that area. It's beautiful. And it's not too far from, you know, I guess with all the urban sprawl these days in what is sort of the greater Toronto area and beyond, I'm sure that land is much closer to development now than it was 17 years ago. Um, But as you well know, and this is true of just about everywhere these days, land is very valuable around big cities. And that is certainly no exception for that urban sprawl around Greater Toronto. So again, about 20 years ago, uh, the Dalton McGuinty government at the time, uh, back in 2005, so 17 years ago to be exact, uh, established something called the Green Belt. And this was land that was really off limits for development. Um, You can imagine just how attractive that land would be today if those rules were were to ever change, right? Well, that's exactly what Doug Ford's conservative government is proposing. You would see 11 portions of that Green Belt, given the green light, for developers to build new residential neighborhoods on them. Uh, It would be a land swap officially, about 7,400 acres of land uh, from those 11 portions would be removed from the protected list. They would be replaced with a single 9,400-acre property. The government insists that this is not a betrayal of its promise not to develop Greenbelt land and that it was forced to do this because of the province's housing crisis. The feds are bringing in 500,000 people a year. We're getting 60% of those people at minimum. That's 300,000 over a year. Where are we going to put a, a, over three years? Where are we putting close to a million people? Well, I mean, that sounds reasonable, right? But it's contradicted by a report from the Ontario Housing Affordability Task Force, uh, an expert government panel that said a shortage of land isn't the cause of the housing problem. Here's Ontario's former environmental commissioner, Gord Miller. Sure, people need housing, especially if we're expanding our population to the extent we are. But there's lots of space in the province of Ontario. So, if that's the case, why these particular parcels of land? Who decided? Who's going to build on them? That's where it gets a bit tricky. Reports, including by the Toronto Star and the Narwhal, they did an investigation together, revealed that the land being sold was, in some cases, purchased by developers just weeks before Queen's Park uh, announced its decision. It also found that one Ontario developer purchased 700 acres of Greenbelt land for about $80 million in September. That's not very long ago. So this has caused a bit of a furor. Opposition parties want the Integrity Commissioner and the Auditor General to look into this to try to figure out whether Premier Doug Ford, Housing Minister Steve Clark broke the MPP Integrity Act and whether developers were given advance notice of this decision. The Premier again today said that that was not the case. They did not tip off developers ahead of announcing this. Uh, And that comes just a few days or a day after the Municipal Affairs and Housing Minister Steve Clark offered a very similar response. Well, joining me now with more on this is Brendan Kennedy. He's the Social Affairs Investigative Reporter for the Toronto Star. He worked on that investigative report uh, with the Narwhal. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ben. I feel like that was such a great introduction. I have very little to say. I'm like sorry. You, I, you summed it up so well. 
I'm sorry. I did what I always hated to do when I was a reporter. That's when the when the anchor gave away the whole story before I got on air. I promise I've got lots of questions. Yeah, no, no, this, it's great. It's great. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. This is this has been a this is really a fascinating story because as I mentioned, you know, back in the day when I was covering this in 2005, there was already you know this was already controversial that all this land was going to be taken essentially out of developer out of the realm of potential development. It was controversial back then. I guess that land now must be even. I mean, it must be prized land compared to what it was even back then. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, it's 2 million acres. It's the largest green belt in the world. So it's, um, it's a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So, um, you know, it, it includes like really um, agriculturally rich soil, um, also wetlands, rivers and lakes. And, um, and so for some people, this is really um, you know, a, a crown jewel in Ontario in terms of ecologically important, sensitive lands. For other people, they see, you know, um, the the potential for housing development. And um, you know, you you mentioned some of the the properties that we the purchases that we focused on, which are the ones have been that have been made since Doug Ford was elected. But you know, among the the areas that are now being opened up, it also includes people that bought land or who have owned land since before the Greenbelt was created. So, right. you know, in one instance, in, in uh, Pickering, east of Toronto, um, Silvio de Gasparis, uh, a prominent developer in Ontario and uh, a major donor to the Progressive Conservative Party, um, you know, he has owned these, these uh, hundreds of acres uh, in, in Pickering, east of Toronto, um, since before the Greenbelt was created. And he bought it in 2003, and he's been fighting the Greenbelt ever since. So, you know, this is he. This is a, a big um, a victory, if you could call it that, for him. Um, and and you know, that's something that he's been fighting. You know, uh, ever since two thousand five. Yeah, I mean, I gather that this had been promised. I mean, Doug Ford had initially looked at sort of allowing some development on this green belt territory before, then had to walk it back. Is that right? Uh, not exactly, but you, it's, it's that's close to being right. So he was recorded at an event before he was premier when he was actually just running to for the leadership of the progressive conservative party right. um and he told what what he thought was a kind of semi-private audience um he said you know if, if i'm elected uh i'm going to open up uh, a big chunk of the green belt for housing and he said that he got this idea after talking to a lot of the country's biggest developers and then he became the leader and then during the campaign that video was leaked um, right, okay. and it became public. And then he said that actually I'm hearing the criticism. We're not going to touch the green belt. Um, you know, he was elected in 2018. Uh, he and his, his municipal affairs minister, Steve Clark, both said, have said since then that they would never touch the green belt. And, you know, now they've, they've gone back on that basically saying that the housing crisis is, is so dire in their words that this is, it necessitates this. So what did you set out to find in this investigation? Because I'm sure there was, I mean, there's a lot to dig through, right? What, what did you set out to look for and what did you end up finding? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it started with just like, we, we know that there's these 15 areas that they're opening up. It was a little bit complicated because they've identified 15 areas, but those areas include multiple properties in them. And some of them are like mom and pop, uh, like uh, farms that have, have, you know, individual people have been have owning for decades, and then others are uh, held by developers, often 
through numbered companies um, or um, groups of companies. So it's sometimes hard to sort out the owners. So that took some time. Um, but the ones that really caught our attention were the purchases that were made in the last few years. And you mentioned one in your introduction though, by um, a company controlled by Michael Rice, who's a, a prominent uh, developer and who um, uh, owns the Rice Group, uh, which is also a donor to the Progressive Conservative Party. So, you know, that one popped out at us as happening just in September. Um, but, yeah, well, I mean, mainly we were trying to just figure out who owns this land, when they bought it, for how much, and, you know, who stands to benefit from this, um, from this, these proposed changes to the Greenbelt, and, you know, what connection, if any, do they have to the, the Ford government, the Progressive Conservative Party? And, you know, what we found, um, especially in, the, in these instances of, of purchases that have happened since Ford was elected, that, um, you know, in, in many cases, uh, we identified nine developers um, who, have, um, who have, have donated, it combined, you know, more than $500,000 to the Progressive Conservative Party. You know, we also found a series of, of connections through lobbying. And I should say that the, the lobbying, um, officially, none of the lobbying had to do with the Greenbelt specifically. Um, but, you know, you can see multiple connections between these developers and the PC Party and the Ford government in particular. It certainly caused a furor. Uh, I could, from from afar, I've been watching a lot of the uh, debate going on at Queens Park. Uh, what has the province been saying about about these? I mean, what have, what is how has the province responded? I think we mentioned that Doug Ford was talking about it again today, uh, but clearly they've had they've been on the back foot on this one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I think the, in the in the introduction you mentioned uh, that the the Green Party leader Mike Schreiner is asking for the Integrity Commissioner to investigate. The NDP is asking the Auditor General to investigate. You know, the opposition has used words like shady and suspicious to describe the situation. Um, but the, the government has denied that, that any developers were tipped off. Um, you know, they have just emphasized that, that this is necessary um, in order to meet their ambitious housing targets. You know, they say that these areas of the Greenbelt will, um, will allow 50,000 homes to be built. Um, these areas specifically, um, and that they have a target of building 1.5 million new homes in the province in the next 10 years. Um, and in order to reach those goals, they have to do this. But, um, you know, basically they've denied any suggestion that, that developers were tipped off. Um, and, you know, it's it, in some ways you could argue that they didn't, they wouldn't need to be tipped off because of that, that recording that I mentioned, that because Ford himself, you know, before he was premier, you know, he he said that he was going to open up a big chunk of the Greenbelt, despite what he then claimed afterward that he would not do. You know, maybe some developers took that as a sign that, you know, this is a, a government that would be, that could potentially, um, you know, would consider opening up parts of the Greenbelt and maybe that, that they it was worth the, them taking a bet. You know, land speculation is, is not new. It, it happens all the time. Um, but I think that a number of these purchases um, have have raised a lot of questions, I think rightfully, and you know the opposition is 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 trying to find like a formal mechanism to to have these things investigated. Um, and you know I should say that like as extensive as our investigation was with the narwhal, um, you know we didn't uncover any uh, any definitive proof that that any de- 
develop or had advanced knowledge that this was going to happen. Right. Um, but, you know, I think that, that, that a lot of these purchases, particularly the ones in the last few years and the one that was just a, a couple months ago, um, they do raise a lot of questions. Brendan Kennedy is with us this half hour. He's the social affairs investigative reporter for the Toronto Star. We're talking about uh, an investigation he did alongside the Narwhal into um, developers and the Ontario government's move to open up parts of what's called the Green Belt. This is a protected area, uh, a huge protected area in around Greater Toronto uh, that uh, developers have been looking at for a long time. It's attractive land. Some have owned that land for years and have been lobbying to allow to be allowed to develop it. Others bought it more recently. Uh, and as Brendan pointed out, it would be uh, probably be a decent bet when Doug Ford won his huge majority recently. And knowing that uh, there was a housing shortage and so on, that maybe if they did the math that uh, this might work in their favor. But what now? Is there any way? I mean, is there any way that this changes, do you think, under pressure or is it pretty much a done deal? I think it's pretty much a done deal. I mean, they technically there's a they have to do a a um, they're required to do a public consultation for 30 days, um, uh, and that is coming up. I think in on Monday. I think would be the 30 day mark. Um, so you know there there is this consultation period, um, and people you know there there have been rallies uh, uh, opposing it. There have like you pointed out there are these. Um, a lot of questions from the opposition, but, um, you know, the Ford government has a majority, so, you know, this is going to pass. Um, and uh, and then, I mean, the one thing is they, they have put very strict timelines on the owners of these, of these lands um, that they must begin construction of, the, of new homes uh, by 2025, um, and that they have to be at some point in 2023 you have to be on like show progress towards that 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 target of of beginning to construction by 2025 um and if they don't meet those those uh requirements then the land will be returned to the green belt um so uh right. th- it's possible that 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 some of these developers won't have their act together or that they won't be able to build and then in those cases it might get returned to the green belt but um, at this point, I don't know what. Um, I mean, uh, un- unless any of these these uh, efforts by the opposition um, bear fruit in terms of potential investigations by the integrity commissioner or the auditor general, I mean that could blow this whole thing up. But that seems to be um, a ways down the road and, and uh, very unclear about how that's going to all end up. Did you get any sense in your investigation just how much more this property may be worth than was paid that it was pay, than was paid for it when or back when whether it was two months ago or fifteen years ago? You know, we tried to get at that, and we I spoke to a, um, an appraise uh, an appraiser, land appraiser who does these kinds of, of deals, and he was like, "It's too hard. Every piece of land is different. Um, it's hard to to to, to put a, a real dollar figure on it." Um, the NDP, uh, the opposition in Ontario, um, they looked at it. At, they tried to, to price it out, and, and basically found that uh, you know they'd be turning millions into billions. Um, but I, I can't independently say that 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 their uh, estimates are are accurate. I mean, one right. thing is for sure that you know, these these parcels of land, that particularly you know the nearly 700 acres purchased by Michael Rice for 80 million dollars, if he's able to build um, homes on that land, it, it will be worth far more, exponentially more than than 80 million. Um, what that exact number is, I don't know, but. Yeah, 
I mean, I think all these developers who own land that, you know, they put, when they purchased it, um, you know, you could not legally, you could not build on it. Um, this was, you know, farmland that they would be not allowed to build on. Um, so the fact that they can now build homes on it obviously is worth um, a lot more, um, even in the cases of the more recent purchases, like, you know, the $80 million one or the $50 million one, you know, they stand, could stand to make, um, you know, I, I would say 10 times that potentially. Um, but, and I, I might be off. I'm, I'm kind of wildly speculating, but yeah, I no, no. I mean, I, mean, I think a lot more than what they paid. Yeah, if, yeah, land that you can build on is worth a lot more than land that you can't, right? I mean, and so many questions exactly. still out there about exactly how this went down. Not to suggest there was necessarily any impropriety. I think what, what people just want to know, how are these parcels of land selected? And I guess the proof will be if the building gets done quickly, as the Premier has suggested, that perhaps he could point to that and say success. But if not, I mean, I guess there'll be questions that will agree up. Brendan, thank you so much for your time tonight. It was uh, it was a fascinating read. I highly suggest people have a go have a look at the whole thing. It's it's a complicated story, uh, so go have a look at the Toronto Star's uh, investigation with the Narwhal and Brendan Kennedy's work. Thanks so much for your time tonight. We'll be following this. Yeah, thanks so much for having me and for your interest.